Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You know that sound is the unfiltered band. That means it is episode number 78. My birth year. So it's got to be, yes, 78. It's my birth year. It's got to be a good thing. Uh, we uh, welcome you back to the Unfiltered Revolution. You can jump on at Casey Stern on uh, Twitter and get into the bio and check out the YouTube channel, of course, uh, where most of you are listening on uh, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. As uh, very happy and excited to have back on the program from WFAN and a uh, long time covering the Yankees and watching uh, all sorts of history, yet nothing because none of us have seen anything quite like what we're watching here with uh, Mr. All Rise. Of course, I'm talking about Sweeney Murdy. Sweeney, appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on back on board. Yeah, Case, how you doing? I'm doing good. I, You know, I, I, let me just put some context in, in terms of just being there in the building. That inning itself, I've I got to start there. Because the irony is you can make a case for the October. The Stanton swing was more important than the judge swing because of that moment, how important that was for him to come through. I hate the where does that rank for yous, but but as you're sitting there as kind of in that moment for a regular season game and all the years you're covering the Yankees, how high up would that inning be? You're going to want to you might want to start over. When I, tell you. I wasn't there that night. I was working from home that night. I was still coming off COVID aisles. So that's all right. So, that's all right. That's all right. That's I watched right. on TV like everybody else. And there are a few big moments in Yankees history that I have actually been away from the ballpark for, for various personal reasons. And they just happen to coincide with these great, oh my gosh, what was it like when you were there moments? And I'm like, yeah, I actually wasn't there. The um, one I was thinking of, Sween, that, that came to mind for me, just to, which I, maybe, maybe we'll come in and say you're going to be like, I wasn't there for that either. In 2004, when I was covering the Red Sox, going back way back when, the the game with Jeter diving into the stands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Flaherty hits the home run. Is that Lascanic who was pitching? I think well, in the fourteen. Um, Curtis Lascanic. Wow, that's a good memory. I think uh, it was uh, right yeah. in the fourteen. That well, was the only other game that came to mind. Like when I was thinking of like regular season, because the, the Yankees are about the postseason, right? I mean, this was as for a regular season moment. Yeah. This got to be up there. What we just yeah, you don't have. I, I I would put that other one in a different category because you know it's. You know, Yankees Red Sox took on a different life back then, and that whole thing became something else because of you know who it was, Jeter diving yep. in the stands, and yep. all the other large personalities that were on the field. This was you know this game was over, and then all of a sudden, in like in about six or seven minutes, it shocked us. Yeah, right. That's not you know that doesn't happen. This no. is something that was just it was over, it was done. You weren't going to say anything special. People left. Okay, people left the building and then something else happened altogether. Um, I, I can't tell you, you know, I, I guess that's why we probably love the game of baseball more. You know, I'm trying to think of like the equivalent case. Like, I don't think you can do that in another sport. Like you can't you probably no. can't score, no. you know, four touchdowns in a minute no. and a half. Right. You, probably can't come from 20 points down an NBA right. game. You could do Reggie Miller, right? Is the one we all remember kind of ish sure. by himself, yeah. but that was eight, nine points in a minute, not 20. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit different. And so I, I think that, you know, listen, I, I, I'm sorry for the Pittsburgh pirates that they were on the receiving end of that. Yeah. <laughs> They've been on the receiving end of a lot of those. They're used it to really it. really doesn't seem fair. <laughs> um, I guess the I guess the key point here, though, Case, is that we're really not going to know 
until the season is over. Right. Just see what it means. In the first sure. round. Sure. Really isn't going to feel like anything. No. It, it's it's... Feel something different if they go on. You know, the, the Yankees have what um, I think they have a puncher's chance, as somebody else you know, actually said to me in a, in a text uh, earlier this morning. Uh, and I had mentioned last week, it's going to take something like a miracle, you know, like like Aaron Judge is going to have to be Danny Manning with the 1988. Oh, Kansas. great. I love that against Oklahoma. That's a great yeah. Stacey King. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that's what the level judge is going to have to rise to. And the rest of the Yankees is going to have to kind of come along with them because this team is beat up. They're really not a full on juggernaut. Yep. And I think that that's what's going to have to happen. And if, if they do make this run, okay, now we can come back and revisit. Wow. Remember that, that yeah. Tuesday night against the pirates. That was that's right. Garrett Cole better be Danny Manning too. And by the way, great reference. Exactly right. Great, yep. great those, reference. Those two guys are yes. going to have to be, they're going to have to be the guys who earn their money. You know, and yes. really take this up a notch if the Yankees are going to do something special with the season, I think. One of the things that I've been saying about these chases, and I'm going to combine here Judge and, and Pujols for a second, even though obviously one is is different than the other, single season versus career. The great part for, for us as fans is that after all of the question marks surrounding all of these home run chases that we have experienced, the ones that were taken from us after, like now when we look back at 98, right? And and a lot of those memories are not what they were. I remember watching those games with my dad at the time, and those were memories that would have been different than they are now. How great is it just for, for us covering the sport that we've got people, the level of Judge and Pujols, the, the rootable, likable, example-type people that you would want in these spots. Because to me, that's what I think Sween is magnifying these moments for every baseball fan, is that unless you're a Red Sox fan or somebody who's just cranky, there aren't many people who aren't rooting for these two because not only are they greats, but they're great people too, which helps. I hope history is kind enough to remember them this way years from now because, I mean, frankly – you know, I, I think a lot of us were saying the same thing about McGuire and Sosa, you know, and history wasn't kind to them or us for looking at it that way. Um, so I, listen, I want to say, yeah, you're right. Everything you're saying is right. And in the moment it feels, it like feels that way. The case, um, you know, we were fooled once before and, I feel sorry for the people who are not able to really appreciate what getting to 60 really, you know, that, that number is, is just amazing in itself. And unfortunately, and we were all part of it case that we, we were part of something that makes it a little less special for a lot of people. And I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel like, wow. And, and because because this is wrapped around the Yankees who have the ties to Ruth and Maris. I do feel that I'm watching something really special and I have an attachment to baseball history and numbers from my youth that I still feel I'm watching something really special here. Okay. And I feel like whether it's 60 or 700, 61, 700, whatever we're talking about, yeah, I feel like, wow, I'm watching something incredibly special happen in front of me because those numbers were only, they were, you know, those are black and white numbers, you know, 
those are things that happen in books I was reading. And there were only like still frames or like old black and white footage of those numbers. And I'm watching it in fun, unfold in front of me in living color. That, I want that to mean something to me. Um, I hope history is kind enough to make it that way. You know, what you mentioned talking about the, the 60 and the number. And, and by the way, I'm with you. And I, the way I look at it, Sweet, is that I think it's more special because of the fact that we could feel this way and enjoy it, at least in the moment. We have to kind of get up in it, I think, that way. I think because the past has been, you know, unfortunate, and that's just to use a, a nice term, it makes it so nice to kind of be back in this, almost relive something again that was taken from us kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. When you think about Judge and the home runs, for me, and even for me, I think for a lot of us, it got lost the season he was having. It got lost that he would be in front in all three triple crown categories, that he would be sitting there with an OPS in the second half better than Bonds had in the year that he did that sort of thing. How much do you think people maybe nationally are coming on a little bit late to the bandwagon of just the type of season outside the homers that Aaron Judge has had? Yeah, I mean, I think you almost have to because we're, we're always on pace for something and we never get <laughs> there. Right. You know, we never listen. The Yankees were on pace for 120 wins. Okay? That's right. Was And there's a reason it didn't happen because it's really hard to do. Um, I just look back on something. I was sitting in the press conference room at Yankee Stadium yesterday and I was sitting next to this giant Life magazine cover uh, that they have blown up there that features Mantle and Maris. And I remember, and, and you know, will they get to, it was from August of 1961, and it asks, are they going to challenge Babe Ruth? And I remember looking at that picture a few months ago, sitting in that same room, when Aaron Judge got to 20 home runs and said, hmm, is this going to be fair to ask? And I just actually went back and looked up, yeah, I tweeted the picture, so I was able to scroll through yesterday, and I looked up, it was, a, it was exactly a third of the way through the season. So... It was, you know, 50-something games or first week in June, and you're saying, hmm, it can Judge get to 60? And I said, is it a fair question to ask? You know, you, you fast forward a couple of months, yeah, I guess it was a fair question to ask because he got there. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, because in case you and I, we, we know the history, we know the numbers, we look at certain, like, we're going to look at it in May or June and say, hmm, I wonder if he can get there. And let everybody else jump on board when he does, okay? Um, because you're always on pace for something, and you hardly ever get there. The thing I'll even take this back. Labor Day, I was broadcasting a game with John Sterling, and Aaron Judge was around 300, and Luis Arise was about 20 points in front of him. They were playing the Twins. It was the first game of a Twins series. So, you know, it was natural to look at those two guys. And I said, listen, I said, this isn't 20 points with a month to play. One guy shoots up 10 points. One guy shoots down 10 points. That's not unheard of. Well, it didn't happen quite that way. Judge went up about 17 points. And, you know, he's hitting. It's 317, right? 376 in September. Jeez. Okay. In September, he's hitting 476. So he's a 317. He's leading the league in hitting. And I remember saying on Labor Day, listen, batting title and triple crown, we're talking about 
Roger Maris. Let's talk about Mickey Mantle, 56. And you're talking about chasing down some of the most iconic seasons in Yankees and Major League history. Judge has a chance to do this. And, and Sterling wasn't buying in quite yet. You know, it was still early. And there was a 20-point gap. Okay, yeah, I was crazy. But it wasn't that crazy case. Okay, and, you know, it's fun to look at it in those terms because now you are talking about um, not just a home run season because Roger Maris hit, what, 267, I think, in the year that he had 61 home runs, right, or thereabouts. Um, now you're talking about a guy who's who's ripping singles and doubles in this past month. Two disappointing ones yesterday for the crowd. Disappointing to the fans. Yeah, right, exactly. Because it's it's all pretty remarkable because he's going two for four, and people are like, oh, oh the first pitch he saw, he ripped a double 110 miles an hour. But he's he's breaking certain metrics, right? He's breaking you know Babic metrics and exit velo metrics, and like it's not supposed to happen like this. But he's doing it in these short bursts now in this month at a time when people are expecting. And that's the other thing, like. He's going up there the other night in the ninth inning in a game that they're losing by four runs. Everybody only wants to see one thing, and he delivered it. You know, pitcher falls behind three to one, and you're saying, okay, here's the swing. Take it and hit a home run and make everybody happy, and he did. Like, it, it's really hard to do that when everybody's expecting one thing and you deliver it. Because remember, he proved it. You can't just hit a single or double and make the crowd happy. You know, that's what Derek Jeter was able to do, right? And, you know, you right. Know, if you're or if you're talking about a hitting streak, all you have to do it like a bunt single and everybody's that's gonna it. go crazy because the hitting streak's now at 30. That's 40, right. You, know, you can't do that when you're Aaron Judge. You have to hit the ball over the fence to make everybody happy. And guess what? It's it's working. He's doing it. You know, one of the things that I marvel at, and I'm curious kind of what you've seen from your vantage point this year watching this. I love when you get to the level of greatness. And I think about Jordan and the way that players used to talk about him, teammates and opponents. You've got Stanton who hit 59 in a year. Who's look been a dynamic player in his career and an MVP type player. You've got younger kids like labor Torres who are still having a lot of success. You've got guys who have won at big levels. They're talking about him, even though they're in the same room as him, Sween, like he's in some other planet that they've never been able to step foot on. What's yeah. that like watching that and how real and genuine and sincere that seems to be from his teammates right now? I asked Zach Britton about it yesterday. I said, you know, Britton played with a guy who had 50 home runs. He played with Chris Davis. Um, he played with Manny Machado, who is, you know, otherworldly abilities at such a young age. And you're watching a season that just is different. And I think the humility with which Judge takes this in, you know, it's, you know, the fact that he is – kind of you know he came up as a younger player with these guys and has grown into this i think that rubs off on a lot of people what you see you know the interactions with the fans uh, those are things that everybody else in the room sees and it, it, it's it takes a different level you know there were people who played with barry bonds who you know you know they were in the same room with him and didn't feel like they were in the same room with him right like there was that was not a, a pleasant experience for some people you know, this is this is different. Aaron Judge feels like, which goes back to what we were talking about before about how this all feels. You know, we we want this all, we want this all to be in this nice package because it just feels too good. And 
his teammates do look at that and say, listen, they all know, listen, you know, Anthony Rizzo has hit 30 homers in a season many times, right? Like this is twice that, <laughs> you know, you're right. Giancarlo Stanton hit 59. Yeah. Okay? I never hit 60 with two weeks to go. You know, there's, there's something different here that these guys, because they see the work that goes into it, they see, you know, he's been humbled. He's a guy who re- who remembers and will be quick to remind you if you dig enough that he hit 179 as a rookie. And, you know, I had that conversation with him a few weeks ago and, you know, talk, trying to talk about uh, hitting magic numbers. And you know, he, he tells you, I hit 179 and I, you know, I had to prove that I belonged on this team. And there are those little battles that he's still waging every day to try to become uh, a better hitter, a better player. And whether it's playing center field or helping his team on the base paths or, you know, there are things that he knows are part of the complete game. I I remember having this conversation with him as a rookie, just thinking just popped in my head again, you know, he's, you know, he's six, seven. He looks like a defensive lineman, not a, a baseball player. And I asked him if people, you know, if there was a time when, when he was maybe going to gear towards football or basketball or some other sport built more towards his size. And he said, he always loved baseball because, you know, you could go over four and still help your team win that last time up or make it play in the field or, or, or do something on the basis that was going to help your team win the game that day. And listen, and that's hard to do this, but you know, like LeBron James can't score two points and expect his team to win. You know, uh, Tom Brady can't throw four interspe- interceptions, no touchdowns and expect that his team's going to win. Aaron judge can sit there and say, listen, I could go over four, but the fifth time I come up, I might be able to get a hit to help my team win a game. And that's something he appreciated about the sport. And those are the kinds of things, the characteristics, the, the, the personality characteristics, I think, that endear him to the rest of the people in the room. Yeah, and I, I think you're going back to your point, just and I I don't want to speak for them, but I, I would imagine for a guy like Stanton specifically, who did it in Miami, right? And you're thinking of watching Aaron Judge in this cauldron that is New York in a walk year for the Yankees, playing center field with everyone. Expe- it, it's amazing to me. All of that makes it even more special, which is why I want to end here and bring it here, because the conversation that needs to be had now is you know, one where we kind of, okay, pause the, the run. Cause you know, hopefully you know, God willing, he gets at least two more homers, but you're going to have an off season now where I know this version of the Steinbrenner family, we saw Cano, you know, and they said, okay, well, we're not going there. Right. We've seen trades. They didn't want to make and prospects that they were willing to, you know, hold on to and not go after things. George wouldn't have done dot, dot, dot. I can't imagine that if George was around, A, it gets here with what Judge is doing. You already probably would have paid him. And if not in the offseason, he'd pay him probably anything. Where are you on how much the Yankees see it that way now? Going to break the mark. Going to sit there and be a hero in New York. How do you start a season next year, Sweeney, with a lineup that doesn't have Aaron Judge in it? Yeah, listen, and they've played this game before with certain guys where, okay, because they were allowed to, okay? They you didn't have to bid against yourself um, before he's, before he becomes a free agent. And now you're going to have to, you know, make the bid that's competitive against what, you know, other teams are going to offer. So listen, it's there and every, listen, some teams can't afford to do that. And you see those teams, you know, kind of make the, the half of an offer that they know that the player is not going to take and then trade them. Right. Well, the Yankees aren't in that spot. Now they're going to in a spot where, okay, 
they're going to have to come up higher than where they were in April. And that's fine. They can do that. They're the Yankees. Um, it's, it's probably, listen, it's, I hate to put it this way, but it, it's, it's probably going to be disappointing in the end, right? Because whatever deal he signs with the Yankees, and I think he's going to, you know, he's probably not going to hit 60 home runs again. And whatever this deal looks like in year seven, eight, nine, wherever this ends, it's, it's not going to look pretty at the end. None of them do. Um, but you've got to do this, right? Like this is who it's a must now. Would you say that? I mean, is it is that yes, fair? Yes. We're at must territory yes. now. Yeah, Passes, and I think right? the Yankees understand that, you know, and and you just kind of deal with it. You know, you're you know they've had these deals. You know, uh, CC Sabathia, Mark Teixeira, Alex Rodriguez, all these deals. They don't all none of them look good when they're done at the end of the you know in the last couple of years. You're not getting what you pay for, but okay, you you pay for it now, and um, that's. That's where they are. And I, I don't see any way around the fact that they have to sign this guy. I mean, you know, if listen, case, if he had hit 41 home runs for the season, they'd still be in a position where you're like, you know what? I can't let that guy walk. Yeah, away. right. But now yeah. it's probably and I'm with you. And I think that's where the it's it's gone now to with the heroic stature he's got with the fan base, too, and everything. It's must now. Yeah, now, whatever it is, whatever anybody else offers, right. we'll offer more. And that's it. Right. And it's just going to be there. And, you know, I, I I would hope that they're in a place where you can get that done before it ends, goes to open bidding. They were in the spot with Derek Jeter when his contract ran out in 2010. Right. And, you know, you went into the awkward phase. Got ugly. So, um, I, this and, and Jeter was, you know, at the he had just finished up a 10 year deal. He's the you know late 30s at that point. Judges in a different place. So I hope you can get that done before you get to the awkward phase. And, you know, we'll, we'll, there's going to be a window here. And listen, the Yankees are kind of in control as to how long, how big that window is because, you know, we'll see how far they get in the postseason. That window gets a lot smaller if they go to the World Series. So um, we'll see how they attack it. I mean, yeah, listen, I think we'd all be shocked if, it, if he doesn't end up with the Yankees. That's not saying anything. It's great theater to watch. It's fun every day to watch. Sween, most importantly, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling a bit better. Stay Thanks, well. Thanks. And and that Penn State football is relevant for you. So uh, enjoy that. Uh, yep. <laughs> enjoy that as well. Stay on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern and uh, continue if you're listening along the way. Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast to Unfiltered from the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.